listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. If you want, we can just go ahead and open it up to um, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15. And we're going to kind of dive into this in just a little bit. Uh, But before we do, will you join in praying with me? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just want to dedicate this next few moments, Lord Jesus, of the opening of your word, Lord. And God, we freely invite the Holy Spirit to come in to, to speak to us, Lord Jesus, to guide us through your word. Lord, allow us to hear your voice as you speak. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. Well, this Christmas season, we got to enjoy something uh, that we normally don't get to enjoy at our household. We got to actually stay home for Christmas, and we didn't have to leave the next day or, or, or anything like that. We just was able to spend and enjoy our time at home. I know that's not necessarily even the norm for our house, and it's not really the norm for a lot of you guys. Um, but I just want to brag that I got to do that, and you didn't. And, and so I feel bad for you. You should do that. Enjoy your, your time with your family uh, at your own house. Make them come to your house and enjoy that. It's a lot, so much better, so much better. Um, but no, we, we got to enjoy uh, Christmas at home. And, and without all the traveling, we actually had a little bit more time to enjoy some of the things that we actually bought our kids this year. And um, one of those was a board game. It was a Scooby-Doo Clue. And um, it's for ages eight plus, so I'm in the plus range, so I'm able to enjoy that as well. And, you know, an hour and a half into this game, I realized something. One, we weren't playing the game right because we're still an hour and a half into the first game of this child's game. Uh, And the second one was this, that child games are a lot more difficult than I remember growing up. Um, and, And I remember and I expect to play a game and it'd be like, you know, like Candyland. You know, you put some characters on the board, you flip a page over, you see that, you move your icon or, or you open up a board, you throw some dice out, you move your guy. You know, that's how games should be. Very easy, very simplistic. This game, however, was not. Uh, it was not friendly at all. Um, we had a hard time trying to find out who, where, and with what uh, this mystery took place. And we, we were frustrated, to say the least. You know, bring some Uno on. Bring something where it's, it's simple. Let, let me enjoy this. And, and I kind of started thinking about, you know what? A, a game I used to play, and maybe you've played this, and it was called This or That. Um, a more modern day name for that would be uh, Would You Rather? Uh, but this or that simply is this. You get one question and there's two answers and you have to either pick this or you pick that. One rule to the game is this, is you can't have multiple answers. It's either one, it's either one or it's the other. Simple, perfect, right? Right? Easy to play. And in fact, it's so easy that you guys can all play yourselves. And, and, and I know you guys are going to do so much better than first service. First service, they were still waking up. They didn't realize that they themselves were playing the game and, and they didn't play along at first. And I had to pull along, but you guys are much better than that. So I'm going to give you a couple of, of, of options and you're going to pick one or the other, right? Man, your enthusiasm is so exciting. All right, we are going to do this. All right. The first one is this apples or bananas. There we go. 
I was waiting for someone to get the last word in. Uh, winter or summer? Summer. Summer. Amen. Summer. Car or truck? And all my Jeep people said, Jeep. That's what I'm talking about. City or country? All right. Man, y'all are like pretty much hand in hand with them, but these are the ones that matter. Coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Sweet tea, nonetheless. Tea. And this one will determine your salvation in heaven. Cat or dog? Dog. All God's people said dog. Amen. Amen. It's easy to play these games, especially when you pull for one side more than the other. When you naturally have the tendency to enjoy one over the other. These things are very easy to choose. And if you're honest with ourselves, we do this every single day. When we sit down at a restaurant, we play a game of this or that, determining what we're going to eat that day. Is it going to be a burger or is it going to be chicken wings? You know, we're, we're determining exactly what it is. Is it fruit or is it French fries? There we go. We're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to pray over our meal. It's all going to be good. Um, we, we do this with the shows we watch. We'll flip through the menu. We'll spend an hour deciding what we're going to watch for the next 15 minutes, right? If you're anything like me, I do that all the time. It takes forever to determine what I'm going to watch, and then I watch very little bit of it. Um, we do this with uh, the books that we read. Uh, parents, we even do this with our children, right? I'd rather choose this one over that one. I'm just kidding. We don't have favorites. We love them all the same, right? Yes, we do. We love all of our children uh, the same. And you know, if we're honest with ourselves and we're not going to be too ultra spiritual, we even do this with God's word. We do this in the Bible. Let's be honest. There's, there's, there's some Bible verses that we like. There's some Bible verses when we come across them, we're like, that is for me. I will receive this. I will take this. I'll highlight it. I'll underline it. I'll put it in my little spiritual pocket to save it for later. I'll share it. Um, and, and some of those verses are things like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? I, I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack, right? I, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We like those verses. It makes us feel good, right? It encourages us. It, it equips us. And we don't have a problem sharing some of these things and, 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 and recounting this to ourselves. But again, there are some verses that are harder to love than others. There, there are some verses that are a little bit more prodding than encouraging. A little more molding rather than highlight right there's these, some of these things that just kind of get underneath our skins a little bit and some of these things that come against our spirit a little bit and we we kind of don't receive them with open arms verses like consider it pure joy brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds trials not just one trial but two and three and four and possibly all of them on a Monday before seven o'clock in the morning. When we face these things, we were all like, glory to the Lord. We, you know, we don't get too excited about those types of things. No, we get a little upset. Verses like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I, I, I want to do something to the enemies, but it's, it's not necessarily me wanting to pray for them. Or love them, 
What about this one? It says, do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Well, I want to bless those who curse me in a different way, right? I'm not necessarily wanting to throw Lord's blessing upon them. I'll throw these blessings upon them, but I'm not necessarily wanting to throw God's bountiful blessings upon them. When we read scriptures like like this, we get in our spirit, we kind of get a little defensive. We, we kind of turn our, we, we would never publicly admit or, or uh, you know, announce this, but I am. You know, we kind of turn our back to God a little bit on these things. We're like, no, 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 God, I'll, I'll take these things, but mm, you could keep these. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we ask God, God, why did you even put these things in the Bible? It would be so much easier if I didn't have to do these things. God, our relationship would be so much better if you didn't put this in the Bible. And and understand, God didn't just put these things in the Bible in his word for us to have to fumble through life and trip over these things. No, he put them in there so that one, Jesus could be the the, uh, example for these things. Jesus knew what it was to love his enemies. He knew what it was to pray over his enemies. He knew what it was to have joy while facing many trials. And if Jesus is our example, then we ourselves are to take on that example and walk through these things ourselves. And it's usually, and this is how it works for me, it's usually in the midst of my little self-pity party Of God, why do I have to do all these things? God, why do I have to pray over my enemies? God, why do you want me to give love to these individuals? Did you not hear what they said about me? Did you not uh, see what they've done to me or the people that I've loved? Why do you want me to be nice to them when they haven't been nice to me? And in the midst of that self-pity party, it's usually during that time God sends uh, this or that question into my spirit and it's, Is it going to be obedience or disobedience? Am I going to choose to serve God today or am I going to choose to serve myself today? It's one or the other. And when truthfully, you know, if we think of uh, the word obedience, that's not a word that we necessarily like a lot. Women, do you like it if your husband looks at you and is like, women obey? (laughs) We do not. We don't. And that, that word obedience is kind of like one of these words we just kind of, we just kind of you know, sweep underneath the rug. We're not going to use that. We're going to put it on a list of words we're not going to use anymore, right? We're not going to use that word. It's, it's not acceptable. It's, it's demeaning. Because when we think of those things, we think, I'm going to miss out on something that I could benefit from. Or, or, or I'm going to have to give up something that I naturally would want for me to become obedient to somebody Else, But God has called us all to be obedient to one another and be obedient to Christ. And that's what we are supposed to do. But truthfully, obedience to God is, is simply saying you over me. Your will, God, over my will, God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's nicknamed the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, another title for that could easily be Obedience 101. Because there's individuals... Throughout that chapter, that God lays out that they put aside their own selfish ambitions and yet they chose to selflessly serve God in his will for their lives. People like Noah, people like Abraham, Joseph, 
Moses, Rahab, Gideon, and the list goes on and on. And maybe some of those people are some of our favorite Bible characters, and we can list of how exactly they were obedient. But there's one, one name in the Bible that you will not find in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's where we're going to find our individual King Saul today. 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you want, you go ahead and get there. We're going to start at verse number 2. Here we find the prophet of God, Samuel. Prophet simply was someone that was a mouthpiece for God himself. He would go, he would hear from God the word of the Lord, would come upon him, and then he would go and share the instructions that God has given him to do. So here we find the prophet, uh, the, the, the word of the Lord is given to him, and he is going to share this with King Saul. Verse number two, it says this, and this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they have did in Israel when, we, uh, when they waylaid them on their way out of Egypt. So a little side note. So as the Israelites are being freed from captivity in Egypt, um, the Amalekites waged war, came up against them while they were kind of fleeing Egypt, wandering through the desert a little bit. And these group of people came up against God's people. They weren't provoked. They just came up against them. And if you read in your Bibles, this account is where Moses had to stand and raise his hands. And as long as his hands were raised, what was taking place? Victory. They were winning. But when Moses' arms would get heavy and they would start to fall, what took place? Defeat. They would start to lose. And so this, this is the account of this story. These are the people that have come up against Moses and the Israelites. And God is saying, now is the time that I will take care of these people. Verse number three, it says, Now go and attack uh, the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Do not, uh, or excuse me, put to death the men, the women, the children, the infants, the cattle, the sheep, the camels, and the donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them up in uh, Telahim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from uh, Judea. Saul went to the city of Amulek and set an ambush there in the ravine. So, let's get the picture. The prophet of God came, gave clear instructions. Clear instructions to go and basically do away with the Amalekites. And not only do away with all the Amalekites, but they're also to do away with all the what? Possessions. Everything that they have. Don't keep any of it. Don't hoard any of it. Don't take pictures of any of it. You know, don't, don't, don't even covet those. Don't, don't do anything. Destroy it. And so that's the command. That's, that's the instructions that King Saul has. So basically, he's doing good so far. He's put an army together. And now he's just on the cuffs of going into this battle with them. Let's pick it up. Verse number seven. It says, then Saul attacked the Amalekites on the way to Havilah, to the shore near the eastern border of Egypt. They took Agag, king of the Malachites, alive, and his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But, look at James, we're going to say, but. But. You might as well look at him and say, uh-oh. Because it's not good. Verse number 9, it says, But Saul and the army spared Agag and the king 
or excuse me, and the best of the sheep and cattle and the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. In the words of the, uh, the astronauts of Apollo 13, Houston, we have a problem, right? The wheels are starting to come off the track. They're, they're, they're like my, gaf, my, my golf game, they're off course. It is not good. It, they, they've, they've wandered away from the true ex, uh, instructions that God has for them. Saul, so he was doing good at first. He, he started off right, but then what did he do? He allowed a king to live and he allowed some to, uh, possessions to be kept. And so we're kind of seeing what is, is manifesting before us of something that is not going to be good for King Saul. Verse number 10, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made King or Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul had gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. And he has uh, turned and gone, to, gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel re- when Samuel reached him, he said, The Lord bless you, Saul said, The Lord bless you, I've carried out the Lord's instruction. So, we understand that a battle took place. We understand that Saul killed Probably thousands of people, not alone thousands of people, but thousands of, of animals. But yet he still kept the king of life and he kept some of these other animals. And here we see that God is upset with this process and this, this scenario that has taken place. And, and so he sends the prophet to go and, and rebuke the king and the king sits there and and when he sees Samuel coming in the king is what excited he's not scared he's not worried about anything he's truly excited to see the prophet coming this is the prophet that gave me clear instructions to go and do what I've done I'm so excited to show him everything that I've done I'm so excited to to tell him look I have done verse 13 it says bless the lord or bless you I've carried out the lord's instructions. And I can just imagine Samuel kind of sitting there looking at him. He's waiting on the back foot. He's kind of looking down his nose at the king as he's saying all this. And it's like, really? Like, like really? Seriously? You, you did everything that was instructed for you to do? You, parents, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. If you've told your children once to clean the room, you've told them a million times, right? And, and maybe your children are like mine. You tell them to go clean their room and then you go check on them two hours because you haven't heard from them. And you're like, man, they, they have been diligently working. Man, they have been, been so hard at following the instructions that I've given them. And I go into the room and they're sprawled out on their bed. They're on their phone scrolling through. And I'm looking around. There's underwear on the ceiling fan. There's clothes all over the floor. The trash is overflowing. Not literally. I'm just trying to draw a picture here. The room is still a mess. And, and, and I look at them and I'm, and, and, and I'm like, what are you doing? Did I not tell you to clean your room? And then they, they have the nerve, the gall to look me in the eye and say, Father, look at all thou hast done. I have fulfilled your instructions. 
Meanwhile, there's a mess everywhere. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't do what I told you to do. We're like, oh, but look at my dresser. It is spotless. And then when I high five, I'm like, no, get out of here. Right? Is it just me? This is kind of the scenario that I see taking place. They want to show you what they had done, not necessarily everything that you told them to do. King Saul was so excited to show him what he had done, not even realize that he hasn't fulfilled all the instructions to him. Verse number 13, we'll pick it up there. It says, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Verse 14. But Samuel said to him, what is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the cattle that I hear? In the midst of him saying, look at all I've done. Saul is not able to see all the things that Samuel sees that he left behind unfinished, that God had told him to take care of. Honestly, this kind of reminds me of a a little knock-knock joke my seven-year-old daughter told me the other day. So just like our game, you're going to, you know, partake in this, and I need your your help in this, all right? And if you know it, don't be be that person. Don't ruin it. Because my seven-year-old daughter told me, y'all probably already know. But let's set the mood, all right? So knock-knock. Interrupting cow. Moo. That's the scenario that I see taking place here. And you're like, this is the guy that is up here preaching? Yes. This is what the Lord created and this is what you're getting, all right? And so this is how my mind works. I read the scriptures and this is what lays out before me, right? And so I'm reading the scriptures and I can't get out this knock-knock joke in my mind because honestly, this scenario is so sad, but it's so comical at the same time. All I can imagine is, is Saul being like, look at all I've done. I fulfilled God's instructions. And then the prophet is looking at him. He's like, what are you talking about? In the midst of him saying this, the sheep are bad and the cows are mooing. This is exactly what has taken place here. And Saul, I think it's before there was a rooster crowing for Peter. It was a cow mooing for King Saul. I think he realized the error of his ways. Because then we, we look at verse 15 and kind of something shifts here. It says, Saul answered them. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. It wasn't me. It was the soldiers. Yeah, Samuel, that's what happened. The soldiers are looking at him like, that's your, you named him Billy. I'm just kidding. Get it? Billy, go. Okay, keep going. <laughs> and so he's, he's looking at him. He says, it was the Malachites that uh, they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed everything else, right? God, we may have left some of the cattle and the sheep and whatnot around, but we destroyed everything else, right, guys? And I, all I imagine is like soldiers pushing piles of gold underneath their tents or something like that. It'd be like Saul's got a ring that he found on the ground that he liked, and he's like hiding it behind his back. This is what I imagine this is taking place. He's like, but we totally destroyed everything else. And then the prophet had enough. He said enough. Verse number 16, Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. 
Samuel said, although you were small or once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, Saul replies, but I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back their Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to, to heed is better than the fat of rams. For your rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Something that seems so comical at one point is now very real to Saul at this point. Here the prophet is now laid out, not only have you not fulfilled these instructions, but God is very upset with you. God is not pleased with what you have decided to do. And real quick, I want to point out three things here that we want to, to learn from this account. The first one is this. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. I don't care how well you think you're doing everything when you know that you're not fulfilling the true instructions that God has laid out for your life. You're living in disobedience. When I... Don't follow all 10 of those commandments. You know what? I want to leave out the coveting one. I'll keep the rest of the nine, but the covet, man, these people, Pastor Rocky's got a nice gladiator, right? It's pretty, pretty sweet. That'd be a nice thing to have. But when I take out that one and I implant that and I'm, and I'm like, you know what? God will be okay with it. God is not okay with it. God is not okay with partial obedience. He wants full obedience from his people. Notice what Saul did not do. Saul did not refuse to go and get an army. Saul did not refuse to go and fight the Amalekites. No, he went haphazardly about doing his business. He went and did exactly what God had told him to do to that point. However, he did not fulfill the full extent of God's instructions. And again, start thinking of some of the things that we know that God's laid on our hearts. Some of the things that God's put in his word for us to follow and to listen to. And we know we're not fulfilling those things. Again, in that attack, thousands of people died. Thousands of animals died. Let's say, let's say he did 99% of what God instructed him to do. He still left out that 1%. And when we choose to fulfill self rather than spirit, rather than God. When we choose ourselves over God, we're basically saying, God, I'm rebelling against your authority. I'm choosing my standard over your standard. I'm turning my back to you, God, because I want to please self rather than please God. And we, we sit here and we think, wow, you know, Pastor Scott, that's kind of harsh. Aren't you being a little hard on, on, on Saul? 
Look, he, he did 99%. He did most of it. Let's give him a little bit of credit. Yeah, I understand he did most of it, but what is God recognizing? God is recognizing that he did not fulfill the commandment that he laid out before him. He did not feel, fulfill the instructions. And I, we have to understand this. In God's eyes, partial or selective obedience is still disobedience. Believe me, as much as I would love to get credit for the things that I almost do correctly, then I'm not going to get credit for those things. Why? Because I'm still serving out of an area of selfishness in my own life. Because I'm wanting to choose my will over God's will. If you go back and read this account, you'll see where certain things where Saul put himself first. He's, he's doing the will of God, but yet he is trying to benefit from the will of God. The Bible says that he went and he made an altar for himself to recognize himself, not God. There's another time where he said that they saw king soldiers all certain things that were good and they were unwilling to destroy those things. Bible calls keeping those things evil. God said he did evil by keeping those things. When we choose self over the others, we are choosing to be disobedient. Secondly, disobedience leads to deception. In verse number 11, God says this about Saul, I regret that I've made him king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. That's, that's God's point of view in this story. Saul's point of view, verse 13, the Lord bless you and keep you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. So you've got God's point of view from this circumstance in this story, this account that took place. And then you've got the king, Saul's point of view. And how can we have two different, totally different point of views in this? If we look at James chapter 1, verse 22, I think it kind of helps us to see this. It says this in verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word, not only, or, and not just hearers, only deceiving yourselves. It says when we are only hearers of the word and not doers of the word, that we allow ourselves to be deceived. When King Saul decided, you know what, I'm not going to fulfill all of this. He did most of it, but he allowed himself to be a hearer of God's word instead of being a fulfiller of God's word. And I think that's why we see certain people. We can see people uh, in our work. We can see people in this church. We can see people in our lives where they say they pursue God. They live for God, but yet their actions show much different. They are hearers of the word and they're not necessarily doers of the word. At times, I am hearers of the word and I'm not doers of the word. God convicted me uh, pretty strongly in this manner that I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. This, these past few days, I probably haven't been the best husband to my wife. And I apologize. Babe, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And it's in times like these that we are going to choose when God speaks to us, are we going to be obedient to him? Or are we going to be disobedient to him? Because we can't have both. We choose one or the other. And I don't know about you, but I don't want someone looking like that at me. I don't want to be a King Saul where I'm only hearing 
exactly all of everything and not fulfilling and doing all of everything that God has given me. Third one is this, quickly. Disobedience separates us from God. Disobedience separates us from God. Simply put, disobedience is sin. And when we choose disobedience, when we choose to go the way of ourselves rather than the way and the instructions of God, then we ourselves are choosing sin over God. The act of going against God and his ways is sin. And when we go up against God, this is what happens. We miss out on the will for us, his will for us. We miss out on the protection that he has for us. And we miss out on the blessings that he has over us. Verse number 23, it says this, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. I tell you what, as a father of Christ, that is one of the last things I want to know is that God is rejecting anything that I bring before him. I want to make sure that everything that I bring before God is a good and pleasing gift before him. Something that he could bask in, something that he would appreciate. My praise that goes forth from my lips, my hands that are raised, I want them to be holy hands. I want that to be a holy praise that comes out of my mouth because I'm being obedient in God and I'm not holding anything back. I'm not allowing any sin to keep me. Disobedience is rooted in unbelief. Obedience is wrapped with faith. And it's a voluntary submission that we have to choose on our own power. And we, we, what I found evident to be in my life is this, that you know, God's not asking me for the most part to be obedient for 120 years to build a boat. Thank the Lord. He's not asking me to build a boat. He's not asking me to slay a giant with a stone a lot of times when God is asking me to be obedient it's simple little things in my personal life that I choose my my own power to say okay God this is you this is not me I'm going to fulfill this when God leads me to go and pray for somebody when God leads me to go and serve somebody that I won't get anything back from choosing to be obedient in times of maybe even sharing what God has done personally in my own life that's when I choose to be obedient for him and there's times I got to remind myself that I don't only have to I don't always have to understand completely to obey immediately I don't have to always get the big picture first before I step out in faith and do what God has called me to do no, I step out in faith understanding that even though I can see here that God is going to orchestrate all the things for the big picture and the big scheme. Because this is the thing, in one simple act of obedience, it could change somebody else's life. You being obedient in your faithfulness of giving can change somebody's life. You being faithful in your obedience of, of, of praying for people can change somebody's life. The simple testimony that you and you alone being obedient and sharing that testimony because we're called to go into all the world, making disciples of all people, sharing our testimony, sharing what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is our calling. And we either choose to be obedient in that or disobedient. And when we choose to be obedient, we could turn the outcome of eternity around for somebody else simply because we're faithful in sharing what God has been faithful in doing in our lives. So I bring it all back to this one question, going back to this, this or that for you. How does God see you? Does he see you as obedient or disobedient?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for your spirit. And I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that if the stirring of the spirit has taken place, God, we would not hinder that spirit. And maybe, maybe grudgingly, Lord Jesus, we open our hands, we open our hearts, Lord, and we say, okay, God, work in me. God, of what areas have you called me to be obedient? I've chose to follow my own instructions rather than yours. And God, I pray right now in this whole house, Lord Jesus, online as well, that you would start moving and bringing things to our attention so that, Lord Jesus, we're able to in, turn, in return give these things over to them and make the vow of being obedient to you and what you've called us to do in our lives. Every eye closed, every head bowed, no one looking around. I want to do two things. First one is this. If you say, Pastor Scott, I know there's things that God has spoken in my life. I know God has told me, God has placed things before me that I know I should be obedient in. But yeah, I'm having a hard time choosing spirit over flesh. But yet today, I want to please God. And I want to be obedient in him. That's you. I just want you to simply put your hand up. I just want to come alongside you. Knowing that you are not alone. That God sees that. But I want you to use your raising of your hand. As a commitment before God. Saying God today. What I allowed to be disobedient. I'm now bringing under control of obedience. And I'm placing it before your feet. Amen. Amen. Secondly is this, with no one looking around, if you're here today and you know your life has been one long road of disobedience and you know you've had the calling of Jesus Christ, you've heard that Jesus loves you, but you've never made that confession of faith, but you want to be obedient to that here today. I just simply want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Scott, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life today. Is there anybody else? If you will, I want you to look at me. There was three hands raised. They say, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life today. I want to be obedient in that. And so I want to say a little prayer. I just want to be obedient to God. I just want to say a little prayer, and I'm not going to isolate you or bring you attention to you. So when I say these words, I just want everybody to repeat after me. But I want you, if you raise your hands, I want you to make these words, my words, your words, between you and God. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Today I commit myself to your forgiving love. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org. 